We seem to be living in a culture of death. You can't escape this fact wherever you turn. Just a few weeks ago, we heard of the tragedy in Florida, where a young man walks into a high school and kills 17 students. Just this past week, a teenager was killed in a car wreck over in Jonesboro on Senior Day. A few months ago, a gunman walks into a church in Texas and kills 27 people. A few weeks ago, 16 people died in a military plane crash that went down by accident in Mississippi. Just last week, in a home invasion over in Gwinnett County, a man was killed. We hear this week about two children who were killed in their beds in South Atlanta by gang members who had the wrong house. A few weeks ago, a bridge collapses at a Florida university, killing several motorists underneath. And this week, a car goes off a cliff in California, killing all the passengers. This culture of death is so vast that we've almost become numb to it. Listen to how many people have died this year, this year, from January 1 through March 29th. Uh, drownings, 931. By the way, I'm going to round these off so that it's easier to hear. Texting while driving, 1,400. Murder by gun, 2,733. Homicide, 4,000. Drunk driving, 8,000. Suicide, 10,000. The flu and pneumonia, 13,000. Alcohol, 23,000. Accidents, unintentional. I, don't, I thought all accidents were unintentional, but... <laughs> uh, 32,000. Uh, medical errors, and this is a scary one. Medical errors, 60,000. Tobacco, 83,000. Cancer, 140,000. Heart disease, 146,000. Abortion, 260,000. Death is happening all around us. We're bombarded with it. I mean, even this week in the church, we've remembered the death of Jesus Christ, who being crucified on a cross to take away our sins and bear our penalties, died a horrific death. And because of our numbness to death, we probably don't really realize the significance of it. According to the Bible, Jesus' death made an atonement for our sins. 1 Peter 3.18 For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. This death was unlike any other death in that it revealed God's love for us. As Paul wrote in Romans 5.8 But God demonstrates His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Death is the message we're constantly hearing. Easter, however, has a different message. Easter is a message of life. Easter is a message of resurrection life, Jesus rising from the dead. Easter is a message of new life in being born again. Easter is a message of abundant life as we obey Christ. And Easter is a message of eternal life 
for when we leave planet Earth. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And it's on the first Easter morning that he demonstrates what he means. So let's review the passage we just heard. And if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to open up to Mark chapter 16. And let's just review this text very quickly. The context you have to remember, Jesus has been crucified on the cross. He's dead. They are horrified. They're discouraged. They're depressed. They, they don't understand what's happened. They haven't heard of a resurrection before. Verse 1, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. So it's the first day of the week, that's Sunday. Very early in the morning, the sun would rise about 6.30 a.m. during that time of the year in Jerusalem. So these three women go to the place where Jesus had been buried. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome. And they're planning to fulfill the, the burial custom of anointing the body for burial with all kinds of spices. Verse 3. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Now, if you remember, the tomb was this big vault cut out of the side of a rock. And it would be closed with a, a big rock that would be rolled in front of it. And usually it was on some kind of platform so they could open, roll it back up a little slope so that other family members could be placed in the tomb. So they're wondering, who's going to roll this big rock? Verse 4. And looking up, they saw the stone had been rolled back. A very large one. And then in verse 5. And coming in and entering into the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. So they, they go into this tomb, and first they see this man dressed in white, an angel. And then they're alarmed, frightened. Panic, terrified, shocked. I would be too. And third, he, he tells them, don't be afraid. Why is it that when angels show up, they always say, do not fear. Don't be afraid. But he says, don't be afraid. He's risen. Jesus isn't here. The crucified one is risen. And then fourth, he says to them, look, that's where they laid him. He's not here. And then the angel gives them a command. Verse 7. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you in Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. So go find Peter, go find the other disciples and tell them. He's going to go up to Galilee and you'll see him there. And then in verse 8, they went out and fled from the tomb. For trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. I like the way the message says this. They got out of there as fast as they could. <laughs> Besides themselves, beside themselves, their heads swimming, stunned. They said nothing to anyone. Well, Jesus later actually does appear to them. And they see him for themselves. 
And this begins a string of appearances by Jesus which lasted over 40 days and included all sorts of people, times, and places, including on one occasion where over 500 people were gathered at one time. The early followers of Jesus proclaimed His resurrection again and again and again. They didn't just proclaim that He died for for our sins on the cross, but also that He rose again from the dead by bringing new life, abundant life, eternal life to those who believe. And for this, they were persecuted. For this, they were tortured. For this, they died, saying that He rose from the dead. What human rises from the dead? Well, He promises new life, abundant life, and eternal life. New life begins when one is born again, to use Jesus' words. In John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus said this, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In John 3, 5, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. To be born again, we must be willing to turn from our sins, receive Jesus as our Savior, and be willing to allow Him to be our Lord, the boss, the one in charge, our God, our Master. However, too many of us like our sins. We cuddle our sins. We become accustomed to our sins, and we definitely don't want to turn from our sins. They become the the normal for us. As someone has said, sin will take you farther than you meant to go, keep you longer than you meant to stay, and cost you more than you meant to pay. The Bible says it like this in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Or as the message interprets it, work hard for sin your whole life, and your pension is death. God calls us to turn from our sins, to turn to Him and His way of living. It's called repentance or turning from your sins. Turn from your sins and receive Jesus as your Savior, as your Lord. John chapter 1, verse 12 says, To all who received Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become the children of God. To receive Him is to invite Him into your life. To have Him come and forgive you of your sins. To come and live with you. With the intention of following Him. And obeying Him. And living life His way. This is the new life that He gives us when we're born again of the Spirit. And He actually does come and live within us in the presence of the Holy Spirit. He actually indwells us. But secondly, God doesn't want us to just have new life. He wants us to have abundant life. As Jesus said it in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. Abundant life is meaningful life. Abundant life is fullness of life. Abundant life is life to the fullest. He's not saying here that one will not have difficulty or one will not have suffering, or one would be shielded from the the storms of life. 
he's saying here that life lived his way brings wholeness, fullness, and meaning regardless of what comes our way. Whereas in coming to Jesus and receiving new life, our sins are forgiven. In abundant life, God teaches, teaches us how to overcome our sins. We experience abundant life by following where the shepherd leads, obeying his commands, listening to his voice, and then doing what he says. The third thing, though, God doesn't just want us to have new life and abundant life. He also wants us to have eternal life. Again, the Bible says it this way in Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Or Jesus said it this way in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Verse after verse in the Bible restates this fact that God wants you and God wants me to have eternal life. Eternal life is the ability to have a relationship with God, beginning today and lasting forever. As Jesus says in John 17, 3, to know the Lord is eternal life. Eternal life is the ability to have a relationship with God beginning today and lasting forever. It never ends. You have it tomorrow, you have it next week, you have it 30 years from now, you have it when you leave this earth suit we call our body. Eternal life is forever. That's why it's eternal. So when Jesus rises from the dead, he inaugurates a new and glorious way of life. New life, abundant life, and eternal life. Into the culture of death and destruction, He speaks life. He did it 2,000 years ago. He does it now. As we've seen throughout history, as generations turned to Him and began to live His way, culture flourished and grew. As generations turned away from Him, and began to ignore his teaching, death and destruction followed, many times even in the name of the church. The resurrection of Jesus Christ makes all the difference. Life conquers death. Billy Graham told of his first meeting with the Chancellor of Germany, Conrad Adenauer. He was the first chancellor that followed Hitler's Hitler's destruction of culture in the world in World War II. He says, When I walked in, I expected to meet a tall, stiff, and formal man who might even be embarrassed if I brought up the subject of religion. After the greeting, the chancellor suddenly turned to me and said, Mr. Graham, what is the most important thing in the world? Before I could answer, he answered his own question, saying, The resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ is alive, then there's hope for the world. If Jesus Christ is in the grave, then I don't see the slightest glimmer of hope on the horizon. Graham continues, Then he amazed me by saying that he believed that the resurrection of Christ was one of the best attested facts of history. He said, When I leave office, I intend to spend the rest of my life gathering scientific proof of the resurrection 
of Jesus Christ. So here was a world leader attempting to rebuild German civilization as a democracy. And he says all his hope was on the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave. The resurrection of Jesus contradicts this culture of death and destruction in which we live. He brings new life, abundant life, and eternal life to reality among us. Steve Jobs was the CEO of Apple and the inventor of the Apple iPad, and iPod, and iPhone, all those great things. He died as a billionaire. And I have no idea if he died in Christ or as a believer. But here are some of his last thoughts and words from his sickbed. And although it sounds pretty tragic, he has some good words for us to ponder. He writes, I reached the pinnacle of success in the business world. In others' eyes, my life is the epitome of success. However, aside from work, I have little joy. In the end, wealth is only a fact of life that I'm accustomed to. At this moment, lying sick in bed and recalling my life, I realize that all the recognition and my wealth has paled and become meaningless in the face of my impending death. You can employ someone to drive the car for you and make money for you, but you cannot have someone bear a sickness for you. Material things lost can be found, but there is one thing that can never be found when it is lost, health and life itself. When a person goes into the operating room, they realize that there's one book yet to finish reading, the book of a healthy life. At whatever stage in life we are right now, we will in time face the day when the curtain comes down. Treasure love for your family, love for your spouse, love for your friends. Treat yourself well, but cherish others. And I, he says something here which I think all us modern Americans need to hear. As we grow older and wiser, we realize that wearing a $300 or $30 watch both tell the time. Whether we carry $300 or $30, and, excuse me, whether we carry a $300 or $30 wallet or handbag, the amount of money inside is the same. Whether we drink a bottle of $300 wine or $30 wine, the hangover is the same. <laughs> and whether the house we live in is 3,000 or 30,000 square feet, loneliness is the same. Whether we fly in first class or economy class, if the plane goes down, we go down with it. Death. 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 It's all around us. But Jesus Christ offers another way. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even though he die, yet he shall live. One of my favorite promises from the Bible, Jesus gives us in John chapter 5, verse 24. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment. He has passed from death to life. And that's what the resurrection is all about. So if you've never repented of your sins, 
If you've never received Jesus as your Savior and Lord, I invite you to do this today. For this makes all the difference between death and life.